We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Knicks all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. Salute to Knicks Nation on this Tuesday afternoon. Another fire edition of Knicks Fan TV's lunchtime live stream. CP the franchise here. And on today's show, we got special guests. I got to run down the resume. It's, it's quite lengthy, so hang tight. You've seen her on ESPN as an in-studio and host for the WNBA and women's college basketball. You've seen her on ESPN covering the NBA as an in-studio host on first take, on the sidelines, all over the map. And of course, you've seen her on MSG, man. MSG PM, in-studio host, pre-game, post-game, and most recently, MSG Radio Networks, an Emmy Award winner. I'm going to put some respect on her name. Monica McNutt is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. So hit the like button, hit the share button, and subscribe to the channel. Another fire edition of the Lunchtime live stream. Let's get it going. Monica, how you feeling? Welcome to Nick Sand TV. CP, thank you for that intro. I, I, yeah. I feel that I received that. That was excellent. I'm excited to kick it with you. Excited to be here. It's a proper intro for the resume that you've been able to attain in just a short, short journey. I mean, you just getting started in the game here. I mean, you know, how do you reflect on the journey so far? You're wearing so many hats, so many different prominent areas across broadcasting. How does that make you feel? Um, it, sometimes it's a bit surreal, I will be honest. Uh, I know this year, calling games has been something that has challenged me in a really good way. And I'm excited um, to find my rhythm in that space. Uh, but, you know, you want to keep getting better. You want to keep inspiring, not be satisfied. And it's been a blast to be alongside of this particular Knicks team this season. What has it meant to you? You won an Emmy Award this year. Was that your first one? Or or have you won so yes. before with the team? Number one. That's my first. Number it's one. one. <laughs> you know, Han Solo comes in the show for the for the for the preview show and he flexes all of them. It's all shining in the light. He definitely buffs all his awards up before he comes on my show and he's flashing all like eight of them. So, you know, that, that's a nice he's flex. Can- 
he, he's got a little bit more time in the game to accumulate some of that hardware than I do. But this one was really dope. You mentioned MSGPM. It was an Emmy that we won for that. Myself and Kazim family. Shout out yeah. to Cash. Shout out to Cash. The ultimate co-host. Um, we did a show that we each had a sit down. His sit down with was with Israel Adesanya. Yeah. And I did a sit down with RJ Barrett. Shout out to RJ. Shout out to RJ. Toronto. And so it was funny when we won the award, CP, they just text us. Shout out to Kofi, our producer. Yeah, he just shout out Kofi. Us. And I was like, so Kaz won and I just get a trophy? <laughs> they was like, no, both of y'all won for each of your interviews. I was like, oh, okay, that's what's up. So it was cool. C- congratulations on that. No, when you when you're running different responsibilities and in a week, you could be all over the map. You're doing first take, you're doing next game, you're doing radio. Tomorrow you're doing Pacers and Pelicans. What's that prep like for you to, to just oh. be able to p- perform and work? Listen, and this will be my cautionary tale, I guess, to young people coming up in the space. The prep is, it's everything for what we do. And even for me, growing, actively learning how I feel best prepared to call a television game versus a radio game, because they are two different beasts, especially because I get to roll with this Knicks team. So inherently, there's a knowledge base there. Um, But actually, before we hopped on, I was just watching film on the Pacers to get ready for my call on Wednesday night. So I think you have to give yourself some grace when you first start out because you are learning what ways you what ways you best retain information, how you pick up things in terms of studying, you know, where you want to make sure you are educating and not just enjoying yourself. So I'm in a real live learning lab and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, because as a broadcaster and analyst, you're you're on the teaching side of things as well. Right. So it's kind of, uh, um, you know, kind of serving two roles. Who's been in from the broadcast perspective? Who's been your biggest mentor in the game so far? Oh my gosh, I, I'd have to shout out DB. Dorsberg is the it's probably the name that most folks know, but we have a ton of great producers and behind the scenes folks. I could rattle off various names and they probably wouldn't resonate because they are behind the scenes folks. But the opportunity to go back and watch, the opportunity to be coached up, you know what I'm saying? Like to want to get better game by game and of course season by season. So it's been really cool. I'm super thankful for my base in women's basketball um, and just it's dope to be able to have the runway to try new things. I, CP, I can't, I can't call it necessary in terms of what the next five years will look like, yeah. um, but I am open, and there are a lot of different hats that I enjoy in this space, and I'm thankful for that. Are, are you a goal setter? What, you know, when you're wearing all these hats, were, were there ones that you kind of put on a vision board or goals or write it down? What, what do you typically do? So I formerly was a goal setter. I think getting to ESPN and having the opportunity to cover basketball at the highest level is a goal check. And then you achieve that and you're like, okay, cool. Now what? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, and so the now what is to continue to get better in that role. But I think now, as opposed to goals, my saying at this point is I'm building a life and not just a career. Mm-hmm. And so I will take time to evaluate where the career fits, what feels good, what works for the life that I'm building. Yes, my career is a big part of it. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't say that there are static goals to be checked off at this point. There are, there is a, I, I think feeling might be too light to call it, but there is, uh, there is a impact mm-hmm. that I'm going after in terms of the pride in what I'm doing. Um, being able to deliver and connect because this industry, television, is essentially a communication medium. Yeah, so yeah. in order to be able to com- connect com- connect authentically, you'll be able to feel that impact. So I think I'm going after what feels impactful for me as opposed to goals on a list. And, and we're in a time now where it's a bit 
not necessarily easier, but you have the the tools and the and the wherewithal to do so in the in this climate where you can kind of chart your own path. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of different ways to do it. I think what's unique to our generation, and shout out to Mike and Clyde, right? But yeah. they are who they are for generate. Like that is their career. Right. Mike is the voice of the NBA, the voice of the New York Knicks. Clyde is the voice of the New York Knicks. Like, and that's fantastic. But I think for our generation the ability to show your versatility, right? And, and there are two different trains of thoughts, right? A jack of all trades, maybe not a master of none, or do you master one? Or yeah. can you master more than one? So yeah. I'm excited. And like I said, I don't have all the answers right now. I know that this year has challenged me in a really fun way. I've enjoyed it in a really fun way. And I'll take some time this offseason, um, not just with myself, but with the people that matter in my circle personally and professionally, and we're going to decide how we move forward. Uh, that's a great way to look at it. The You won the Emmy for the RJ sit-down interview, but you've interviewed many athletes from the sidelines, from the studio, so on and so forth, the stars of the game. Is there one or two that are the most rewarding to you so far? Wow. So it's different settings. That RJ interview was right after he had signed an extension, and he was getting ready for Fashion Week. And I really enjoyed our exchange. Um, so that one was pretty cool. I think there are a couple of sideline moments that have stood out in my role as sideline reporter. Last year, we did an interview with Nikola Jokic after the Nuggets beat the Sixers late in the regular season. And I remember asking him, do you realize you're making history? And he was just see, real yeah. casual about yeah. it. He's like, huh? Like, I don't even know if he hurt me. But yeah. the interview, it, there was such a genuineness that I think we all have been able to garner from him in terms of watching him play the game of basketball. Uh, the Summer League sideline interview with Ant when he told us that he's Michael Phelps uh, and that he's an excellent bowler and all these wild things was one of my first projects uh, with ESPN on the NBA. And that one certainly stands out. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. And then I got to say, um, my role on the draft has been far yeah, more rewarding yeah, yeah. than I think I anticipated going in. But to share such a special night, not just with those young men, but with their families, I mean, last year we had a chance to sit down with Scoot Henderson and we concocted this Brady Bunch-like um, visual because he has yeah. six and maybe more, but he has a rack of siblings and they've yeah. all been a part of his journey. Um, sit down with the Thompson twins and their family prior to the draft. Derek Lively and his mom had an incredible story as well. So mm -hmm. that's been a role that I really enjoyed as well. That That's incredible. And from a Knicks standpoint, you're with these guys on, on a regular basis. You, you've done media day. You've run media day. You ran the, Br the Brunson press conference. What about that angle? Because you, you, you're able to see these players in a different light off the court and interacting with their families. What's some of your favorite stories of, of this current team from your perspective? So the piece we did with Mitch Christmas Day for ESPN highlighting Coach Butch, uh, who had lost his wife mm -hmm. last year and is now in New York with Mitch, was it's got to be one that both nationally and as far as the Knicks are concerned will forever tie my heart into a beautiful little bow. Yeah. Um, but it's also been dope to see Mitch grow, right? Like, yeah. we all hated it when he went down. He was playing yeah. so yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and I firmly believe I haven't talked to him, so I'm not breaking any news, but I believe in who, he's, who he is becoming as a basketball player and as a man, right? He's a dad. He's super proud of his baby girl, Riley. Yeah. I think that he is working diligently to get back on the floor. And it's cool to watch these guys grow, right? Like, Jalen, although he didn't come to us initially since he's been a Nick, like just to watch him kind of embrace the city, the city embrace him. I think the moment where he gets teary eyed after that game of Indiana, he finds out he's an all star. We're all will sit in all of our hearts. Yeah. Um, just the opportunity to bump into these guys um, while we're traveling. And just I always say this when I have a chance to talk about the Knicks players or NBA players at large, like 
don't forget that these are men, fathers, brothers, husbands. Like, yeah. yes, we admire them as basketball players, but they have lives and people that matter to them. And so the chance to get to know them on a real level has been dope. The, as you said, the, the Mitchell Robinson growth and development is something that we've seen since his rookie year. He's the elder statesman on this yeah. team. People forget about that. And, and you know, I, I love that because that story, as you said, that went viral everywhere. Yeah. I mean, every platform, it was shared and shared and shared. Because and we, so, yeah. real quick, CPO, yeah, yeah. we, of course, got to shout out, shout out our good teammate, Rebecca Harlow, who sure. made it yes. a story on the local broadcast first. Yeah. Um, and then I had the opportunity to interview for ESPN. Absolutely. And and I like the way, you know, Mitch has a unique way of expressing himself. A lot of times it's through Snapchat, it's through his social media. Sometimes he'll, you know, reply on, on uh, KFTV Instagram. And so, you know, that was a good story to really show the human side, like you said, because a lot of times we, we just digging into the X's and O's and the wins and the losses. But there is a human element behind behind all these guys. Certainly. And I think, I mean, Julius is obviously working his way back, but like watching Kaiden grow up has been yeah, like yeah. dope for all of us. Right. And Julius, too. And when you get to catch these guys, I think some of my off-season, off-camera conversations might be some of my favorite um, because they're working. Like, they are they are working at their yeah. craft. They pour so much into it to be good, to be healthy, and their families are right along for the sacrifices. And so I just think as a community, as fans, you know what I'm saying? Listen, the passion is real, but be respectful, yeah. okay? Be respectful. <laughs> yeah, no, no question about it. Salute to everybody in the chat. Once again, hit that thumbs up button for your squad. CP the franchise, Monica McNutt on the ones and twos. I want to shout out my two cents. He's a franchise channel member, uh, sends us chat and says, thank you, Monica, for your insight and engagement, your basketball knowledge and passion for the game. Make you a standout voice for Knicks fans. Salute. So that's uh, that's my guy, my two cents. Yeah, yeah I appreciate that. Well, what's, your, uh, what's your favorite number? What was your college number at, uh, at Georgetown? <laughs> So my number was actually 15. Okay. But when I got to college, it wasn't available. Mm. So I went to 20. 20. Um, so college is, shout out to Allen Houston. That, 20. Yeah, yeah that, <laughs> I got Houston on the back right there. So everybody in the chat, throw number 20 in the chat to salute Monica McNutt. Everybody throw a 20 in the chat. Uh, we also got John Smith. $10 Super Chat says, thank you, Dr. Monica McGoat. You are, <laughs> you are a true fan. Thank you so much for always keeping it real. CP salute. Shout out to John Smith, man. Wow. Fan Thank love. you, John. I don't Fan know love. about Dr. McGoat. Look, we got to chill with the goats and the legends, y'all. I'm just trying to work. Like, I'm just trying to work. We're not there yet. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we got to get into last night's game because uh, there was a bit of a controversy there. Knicks beating the Detroit Pistons 113 to 111. You had the bang bang play at the end, which saw the Knicks scoop up a loose ball, get it to Josh Fart, who uh, was able to convert the and one. After the game, Monty Williams, very, very uh, emotional and demonstrative, feeling that the refs screwed them, and the referees did come out and say that they missed the call. What did you think about that from your vantage point? So <laughs> our radio seat is above, right above the 100s, and the, it's above the sideline where the collision happens. Uh, and you guys know I usually post... And I might still post it. I got to talk. We got to have a council and decide. Yeah. But I usually post clips from radio. Right. And so certainly the camera was rolling. Um, and our play-by-play last night actually called the foul <laughs> and then was like, oh, it wasn't called. I did not see it. I couldn't see from where I was. And at this point, I'm completely laying out because it's the final seconds of a ball game. And you lay that out for your play-by-play to nail the call. Um, I think it's an unfortunate series of events. I think also the Knicks found a way. Two weeks ago, same thing happened. 
not same thing, but yeah. similar happens yeah. Yeah. in Houston and it goes against the Knicks. Now, what makes last night interesting is there was no whistle for anything to be reviewed. Right. As opposed to in Houston, I'm like, if you're going to review it, get it right. And then folks are like, well, Tibbs, they use this challenge, blah, blah, blah. I think it is unfortunate. Monty Williams, it was kind of funny in the pregame press conference, someone locally asked him about this being a rebuild. And he was joking, but he deadpanned. Like, he didn't mm. react. Mm. And the reporter turns beat red. And then he was like, oh, I'm just kidding. But in his mind, like, they are trying to win ball games. Yeah. And so yeah. the frustration that you saw post-game was sincere. Um, and I was talking to a couple of friends in the league, like, they've caught a few nasty breaks late in games, and they're trying to win ball games. And so it's unfortunate. Um, we talked to Dante DiVincenzo on the broadcast post-game for the radio interview. There was no celebratory tone. Mm. It was very much relief. We need to be sharper. In fact, is what Dante told us. He did, yeah. We got to lock in as we move forward. So um, you hate to see it, but obviously on this side, we're not going to get stuck because it happens. It, it happens. As you said, it just happened to, to the Knicks in Houston, and it just speaks to the bang-bang nature of, of these games and the subjective nature of officiating. I don't think there's any you know silver bullet that can fix these things. I mean, refer- the, the, the chief referee, James Williams, a.k.a. Gucci ref, <laughs> He was standing right there. It was right he in was. front of him. He was. That, listen, and I think I would, I'm going to push back on the word choice subjective and just go to the human nature, right? Yeah, Refs yeah. are human. And granted, they got a high profile job and you need them to be as tight as possible, but they are human. And so until we get AI robots out here that don't miss nothing, <laughs> you're going to be subjected to some of this. Hey, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Steve Ballmer is working on that. <laughs> You know, an independent review inside the Intuit Dome. Somewhere in there, he's got the AI wired and high-powered, ready to go next year. So, um, yeah, that that was uh, that was tough. But what, what do you think about just where this team is right now? Um, you know, looking at last night's game, you had the Dante, you had the the Nova boys. Brunson with mm-hmm. 36 and I think 12 assists. Uh, Dante, 5 of 10 from downtown. And then Josh Hart just doing everything, man. 23, 8, and 6. What do you think about their performance last night? So uh, their chemistry is undeniable. Shout out to the roommates pod. Shout out to the Nova Knicks, whatever you want to chalk it up to. I could not help but by the fourth quarter feel the same way I felt about the Boston game where you're like, God, this team has to get healthy. Right. You felt it differently because it's no secret who Boston is in the standings. But watching last night, Kay Cunningham, like. I'm like, this is a Knicks broadcast, y'all. And so we're, we're going to be frustrated with him. But as a neutral observer, yeah. this man is getting buckets. He's like, still, he was killing him last night. Right? Okay, he and he's, he's, he's a matchup problem because of his size. And so last night, you're like, geez, you miss OG because you could throw OG on him and at least slow him down, right? Yeah, yeah. Gosh, you miss Julius because at least there's somebody else that's going to force the Pistons to consider sending that second body and open up um, the opportunity. So I think my big thing, as for most Knicks fans, is that this team needs to get healthy. But on that note, I do really like the aggressiveness that Josh Hart has shown in the last three games in particular. Last night, he he comes into that ballgame shooting 40% from three in his last two. Adding those threes from last night, he's 7 of 15 in three games from the three-point line. And so his ability to keep defenses honest is is hugely important while you are absent, while you have absences. But I think if he can maintain that, I think that'll also help this team moving forward. I think his role has been vital, especially mm-hmm. with, without Julius, without OG. He's he's starting to be that guy who 
the Knicks fans really embraced last year. I mean, last year when he came in, he, he was shooting like uh, Stephen Curry from three. You know, even though that wasn't sustainable, Knicks fans was like, yo, this guy can do everything. He can rebound. He can run the break. break he's splashing threes. And people forget he won that first game against the Cavs for the Knicks. You know, he won that for them. And... And so, you know, he he was mired in a bit of a slump, but now you're seeing he's starting to bring it back. He's really starting to bring it back and knock down those shots. I like the way last night that he was really, really attacking the gaps, even in the half court. Mm-hmm. You know, up-tempo mm-hmm. is really his game, but in the half court, it's very important where if he's not shooting, he's got to fill those driving lanes so he can create because Jalen needs help. Jalen can't be the only guy that's creating there. So Hart's really serving a, a, a role with, with multiple hats. I, I, I agree with you. I think the small little trio, I know you got your Nova trio, but I also think yeah. there's something cool happening in terms of the Achua, Hartenstein, Hart, like passing. It's really more Hartenstein and Achua, yeah. but they're passing between one another. And although Precious didn't have a tremendous scoring night, his blocks late in game yeah, were huge. Blocks, and blocks. he just kind of stayed with it. He was frustrated because Jay Nivey comes with them shoulders and he's just long and he kind of flails and it's a little bit wild. Um, but it's tough to guard. Yeah. Um, so you can Dur- see Durant, his frustration. Durant or Ivy? J- Jalen Durant, you mean? The big I- man. Ivy. Oh, Look, Ivy, Ivy, Ivy. Achua, to me, looked more frustrated trying to figure out how to successfully get in help position guarding Jaden Ivy mm. when he was attacking. Gotcha. Durant, though, whew, he's a... He's a beast. He's a young beast, man. He is a beast. And so that was just, like, purely getting in position. I think he yeah. looked a little bit more frustrated um, guarding Ivy. But... Head stayed in the game. Those blocks could not have been bigger down the stretch. Once again, we're talking to the incomparable Monica McNutt. Salutes everybody in the chat. Once again, hit that like button, hit the share button, then subscribe to the channel. Throw a number 20 in the chat to salute Monica McNutt. Uh, Monica, another, another area that needs to be addressed. You know, the fans know me as being the leader of the Alec Burks Hive. I was advocating for this trade. I was advocating for his return. Fans were doubting me. Leon pulled the trigger, and the fans came back. Now he's bricking. My guy, my guy, guy Burks has not been on point, and they, they're trying to search for answers. They're coming to me for answers. What do you have to say to them about Burks right now? So what you're telling me is you really the franchise? Is that what you're telling me? Franchise, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> they, 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 they say I'm part of the CAA mafia on, on, on the low, so yes. Oh, wow. Yes. I'm sorry, repeat the question, though. I mean, what, what do you think about Burks? He's kind of struggling right now. It's been a tough fit for him. It's it's still new, y'all. Like yeah. it's still new. Yeah. The real question is how deep is Tibbs gonna go in this rotation? How's he how once you get rotation? healthy, right? And he yeah. was asked that yesterday pregame. And you know Tibbs is very game that's in front of him. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the exact answer. It wasn't anything earth shattering. Mm-hmm. It was very coach speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're gonna have options to go deep. And I think a lot about the nature of series, right? Yeah. Where yeah. Coaches are up all night. The scouting reports are tight. We're going to see you again. We know exactly what you're going to do and how much of a wrinkle depth can throw into a game plan when you can throw some different looks at guys. Like, even last night, I was kind of like, oh, wow. I don't I don't know if I recognize some of these half-court sets. Like, mm. and, and maybe some of it was out of necessity because your personnel has changed. But there are a few things already that I'm like, oh, okay, I like this. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see where they go, especially when they get healthy. Uh, but we do have an injury update that that we want to uh, give to the fans. And, and so I want to run this clip and and uh, react to it. This is courtesy of Shams and uh, Michelle Beadle on FanDuel TV's Run It Back podcast. Here's Shams on the next injury updates. 
sitting there last night, Shams. What's the latest on all of the injured Knicks? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's go through it all, Michelle. So let's start with Julius Randle, the all-star for the Knicks. He suffered that dislocated shoulder January 27th, about a month ago. I'm told his rehab is going well. His goal is still to play this season. He has not had any setbacks yet. There's still some check marks he has to hit in order to play again. That's an injury that likely he's going to be dealing with some type of ailment for the rest of the season if he does return. So just getting to a point where he feels comfortable that, yes, I can make a return to the floor and not risk anything major over the course of the rest of the season going into the the later years of his career. Uh, Mm. And so that's more of a wait-and-see process with his rehab. But the goal for Julius Randle is still to return. Uh, OG Ananobi, he had elbow surgery uh, a couple uh, about three weeks ago. He's been out for the last month as well. His return timetable is looking a lot more crystal clear. He's going to begin shooting soon, I'm told. He's going to be doing more and more on the court. I think shooting's a big step for him. I'm told the hope and, and pretty much the expectation is over the next two weeks, uh, by the time it gets to two, three weeks from now, OG Ananobi will be back on the floor for the Knicks. Mitchell Robinson, he was sitting on the bench. He has not played for several months now. Um, I, I think for him, it's, it's, he's, got, he's got to keep hitting check marks. We know he's been dealing with, with foot issues over, over the course of his career. Um, and so for him, we'll see where he stands on a return. But Julius Randle, the goal is still to return. OG Ananobi, the hope is over the next two, three weeks, he's going to be back on the floor. Let's, let's start with the most important. That, that's Julius. What do you think about, uh, you know, obviously the team has been optimistic. We've seen footage of him working out. What do you think about the prospects of Julius's return? I mean, that's all great news, right? Like, first of all, we all know that Julius Randle is an absolute warrior. And it is interesting that Shams made mention of longer-term lingering effects, but we've seen players know opportunities are fleeting to win for real. And so I certainly hope he can make a full recovery with minimal residue, if we'll call it that. Um but honestly, CP, I don't know that I ever was really concerned about him not returning. Like, mm. that's just because of who he is. Now, yeah. also, small history, I am not Julius Randle's body, but I also operated through my last two years of college with a partially torn label. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you can work through it. It requires, you know, I wore a sleeve, requires a little extra PT, but, you know, it's an NBA-level physical therapy staff. Like, I was not worried about him returning. So that's a good update. And same thing with OG, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't, I'm not as familiar with that procedure, but I'm like, it's an elbow cleanup. He'll be fine, right? He'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, my thing with Julius is, like you said, not doubting if he comes back is, 
who will he be when he comes back? Because before he left, he was doing so well in being physical and attacking the basket and, you know, drawing in those double teams and, and kicking it out. I just concern is, will that injury hamper his aggressiveness in, in terms of attacking the basket? Your, your thoughts? I don't, I don't think we got to be concerned about that. I, mm, I am not concerned about his aggressiveness. Now, the, the bigger piece of that is that the team has changed a little bit. Now, granted, he was a part of the Monster January, the 12 and 2. He was playing yeah. alongside OG. It was coming, it was coming, I won't say coming easy, but it was beautiful. It was flowing. Obviously, the bench has now changed in his absence. What does Josh look like? Obviously, he's a bench guy too, but in terms of his ability to continue to be aggressive, um, I'm not really worried about that. If anything, he should have the opportunity to still be aggressive in spots, but because of what is now around him, especially as the lineups change out from that starting rotation, it in theory. Mm. This is very altruistic, but in theory, it should almost be a little bit easier because there's more around him. Um, and so doubles will be more costly and he'll be able to make a pass out of the doubles with a little bit more clarity, right? Because just the way that this team is clicking on all cylinders. So I'm not worried about it. And based on the reports in terms of OG Ananobi, they're saying two to three weeks. That could put him at the three-week mark. That puts him around the Knicks. A West Coast trip. They have one more West Coast trip where they have to play Denver. They play Sacramento. They play Portland as well. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see, can they hang on here in the East? Because they're a game and a half up on Philly. Here comes the Miami Heat. Miami four in a row. They just beat Sacramento on the road without uh, Jimmy and those guys who are suspended. How do you see this team kind of hanging on here over the next two or three weeks based on the schedule? I feel like you literally got to check the standings twice a day. <laughs> yeah, no, it changes life so rapidly. Uh, honestly, I think as I'm literally pulling up the standings now because yeah. I don't want to speak out of turn. Yeah. Um, I'm not worried about them slipping into the play-in. I think they're going to get healthy. They will be able to hold. I think that mm, this is where math starts to mess me up, though. Where are we? Okay, four. Four. Two, one and a half ahead of Philly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. I think... I'm not really worried about them slipping into the play-in. I think Philly, I love... Uh, this is me being national broadcaster yes, here. Yeah. I love Tyrese. I think Paul Reed has been an incredible story. Tobias Harris, I think it still uh, doesn't necessarily get the credit he deserves Definitely for what he's not. done out, out there. But I think Philly's going to take a slide. Um, if Miami climbs, like, are we going to be surprised? But I'm also not 100% sure. They've got to figure it figured out. Atlanta's battling an injury. To me, Indiana is probably the team that is most threatening. Yeah. Um, to shake up the standings, but I'm not, I'm not super worried about them falling out of six. And I know we could get into the, who has the easiest schedule, all of that. But just like you saw last night, there are so many things that have to go right in terms of winning, or you need one big thing maybe to go wrong candidly. Right. And so (laughs) I'm not too, I'm not too enthralled by the idea. I think the heat may have uh, one of the easier schedules the rest of the way. Like you still got to go win ballgames. Who's the one team that uh, you'd want to avoid in the first round? I mean, I think the easy answer is Boston, yeah. right? Like, um, but even with Boston, because Boston still has not seen, and again, the big asterisk, a healthy Knicks roster as currently constructed. Um, so even with Boston, like, if, you, if that's the way you got to go, that's the way you got to go. But yeah. that, that is obviously the first answer. I'd love to avoid Boston. I, I do want to, as much as I hate to say this, because I, I've been a... An, a, a Notorious Heat hater. I can't see them four or five in the first round. 
I, I can't. Uh, yeah. I got to tune on my pacemaker. It's already hard to get through an 82 game <laughs> season with the fourth quarter that we saw last night. A first round after we lost to them last night. That would be tough Here's, to take, man. I'm with you. Look, I'm with you, but we yeah. could go down the standings and make the case for why you don't want to see anybody, right? Yeah. And so, like, just from a place of respect for the game, like, and Tim says it all the time, you are not in this league if you can't ball, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. that is a given and understanding. If you ask me who I want to see in the first round, ooh. ah, I think the biggest asterisk in terms of a team that might be right for the plucking yeah. is going to be Philly, Philly and Philly, how Philly. Joel comes yeah. back. Yep. And yep. I know my colleagues on ESPN were arguing today whether you want a 20% of Joel, 30, what percentage of Joel will you take versus nothing? Um, that man was having an incredible year. Yeah. And I, I feel like at this point in his career, even less than, but if it's playoff mode, he would probably tap into something different given his experiences yeah. so far. Well, once again, we are talking to Monica McNutt. Everybody throw a hashtag number 20. Just throw a number 20 in the chat <laughs> to salute Monica. Absolutely. We got to do, we have a $20 super chat for my guy, BLW. Uh, he's asking Monica, thanks for coming on the KFTV channel. Would you ever consider a coaching role? Probably not. <laughs> uh, I, I, there is a part of me, we talk about building a life and not just a career. There's a part of me that maybe at the youth level, if we're fortunate to have kids one day or, you know, my heartstrings are there, particularly in helping keep girls in sports. Yeah. But I think I need a seat that don't get hot. And that's kind of what you have as an analyst, as yeah. a part of the broadcast team. Uh, so, and again, traveling with these guys, covering the league, covering the WNBA as well, like, Coaches really never stop. You talk about sacrifices that the players' families make. Yeah. Like, Tibbs is married to the game, literally. Like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, those families are also making tremendous sacrifices as coaches, and you get way less of the glory and way more of the blame. Absolutely. Well said. Spot on. Shout out to Brian Orante, franchise channel member, Fight Out Super Chat says salute and shout outs to Monica McGoat, number 20. That's his question. Will the Knicks take the win tonight over the Pelicans? Zion and McCollum are listed as questionable. What, what do you think so, about the Pels coming in tonight? So I was really, I saw that questionable this morning because I have their game in Indiana tomorrow. Mm. I have a hard time believing Zion not going to play in the Garden. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you only get one of them because it is the first of a back-to-back, though. Yeah. Not sure who. Yeah. Um, I think last night, and we talked about this a little bit on our broadcast, you were hoping to get a little cushion so that your bench guys could take the load off and get your starters some rest because of the Knicks being in a back-to-back. Yeah. Um, I do think the Knicks hold the line tonight, though. Last night took a lot out of them. I think they hold the line. The Pelicans... Oh, they, the the things that make me nervous about this matchup, and I'm not going to call it because obviously we all everybody here wants the Knicks to win, so I'm not going to call it. But the thing that makes me nervous about this matchup is a little bit of what we saw yesterday in terms of the length and athleticism that the Pelicans have. Yeah, it is similar to what you saw from Detroit, and earlier in the season it was basically a schedule loss. But when we went to New Orleans, it was not good. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. the Pelicans, their length. Their defensive acumen, they was flying around, and it just was not good. It's definitely one of the more forgettable performances of the season as far as the Knicks are concerned. And they were healthy. So I do wonder if B.I. gets going or Trey Murphy is hitting from the three-point line. Like, will you, again, feel the absence of O.G. Ananobi in terms of his physicality as a defender? 
Uh, obviously, Julius Randle, what he brings on both sides of the ball as well. So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit concerned about their size, but I think the Knicks have improved in terms of scoring in transition, and their bench has, has obviously gotten better since that meeting way back. That was around Halloween weekend. I remember that actually. Yeah. We were in New Orleans for Halloween weekend. Yeah, as you said, the the lack of athleticism is is glaring with this team right now, and and the Pelicans also impose a a physical challenge. You know, Tim's mm-hmm. talked about the Pistons being physical last night. Pelicans are going to be physical if Zion plays. Uh, you have Valanciunas, you have the length with with Ingram and uh, and those guys. So I think it's going to be a tough matchup. And then Thursday, you got the Chef and those guys coming and go. Golden State has been improved since Draymond is coming back. And then Sunday's game, I circle Sunday's game as as a big, big one in Cleveland against Spider and those boys. And that one is for the season series. One is one one right now. Yeah. That I have had Cleveland three times now nationally. And they are hooping. Like they are hooping. They've climbed the second in the standings. Uh Donovan Mitchell probably should be in the conversation for MVP. That noise should be a little louder than it actually is. Max Drews, I actually had a chance to talk to him. I had their game in Philly on Friday. And I think we all knew Strews as a piece of Miami. He's still a piece in Cleveland, but he's a piece that they rely on for for more. Um, His grittiness, his toughness, his defense. For a long time in his career, he was somebody that's been targeted. And so I asked him what similarities does he see in this Cleveland squad that he saw in Miami, Miami, considering what they were able to do last season. And he talked a, a lot about the grit and the chemistry that they're developing. And he used the word consistency, which is obviously the sweet spot of not just NBA, but like life, right? Yeah, like yeah, people that yeah. are able to be consistent, find success. Now, I will say this, and I think this is a tip of the cap to the Knicks. The first game I had in Cleveland this year, the Knicks series last year kept coming up mm. in terms of that being a sticking point they remember for it. Cleveland to look at how they can get better. Um, and so I just thought that was really interesting. And like I said, a tip of the cap to the Knicks. And, and that's why I can't overlook that team. Uh, I think because every year is different. Uh, a lot of Knicks fans say, well, we beat them last year. Every year is different. And the Knicks are gonna, might be limping into the playoffs. You don't know what they're going to be looking like. So this Cleveland team is looking hot. They are a deeper team. As you said, Spider Mitchell is playing on top of the game. And they are motivated to knock this Knicks team off. And so we'll see how this how they fare on Sunday and, and a potential playoff matchup, man. But, uh, Monica, we, we definitely uh, appreciate Appreciate the time. We know you got a tough schedule. You got to get on the road and everything. So I got a lot more to ask you, but we'll, we'll table it from here as part one. And hopefully you join us later on in the season and, and we'll catch up and see where these boys are at. Definitely. We'll circle back, CP. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Once again, that was the incomparable Monica McNutt. Salute to the Knicks Nation in the chat. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Throw a number 20 in there. This is, this is one of the best in the business right now, man. A young, shining star. And she's one of our own. So make sure you guys hail her up. Follow her on Twitter, on, on uh, Instagram as well. McNutt Monica. Definitely appreciate the uh, the time. And remember that the show is available in audio podcast format. You can catch us on all major podcast platforms. And be sure to one more time, hit the like button, hit the share button, and subscribe to the channel. We'll see you guys tonight. Pelicans, Knicks, is Zion going to play? We'll see what happens, man. Post game live. CP the franchise, Alex Rotaros. We will see you guys there. Have a great day, everybody. Peace. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.